if you don't understand the organ that creates the world that you're experiencing and the organ that is creating the world that the person you're talking to is experiencing, then you're always going to be at a handicap because so much of the interaction is going to be mysterious. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mentors Podcast. Today, we have on Tom Bilyeu. Yes, this is the Tom Bilyeu episode. I've been sitting on this audio recording for about over a year now. It's been quite the journey. I I interviewed him around, I'd like to say, well, yeah, over a year ago, probably maybe back in last August, last September. It's been quite a while. Um, and the reason I held on to this audio for so long is for two reasons. One, he is such a big name. He's such a big name. I was like, oh, I, I was stunned when I first learned I was going to be interviewing him. Um, and the other reason is because I was so deathly nervous of interviewing him. I was in one of my, I was in the very, very beginning of starting my podcast and I already snagged this huge guest and I couldn't say no, right? I couldn't pass up this opportunity. So I went on with it and said yes. So in this recording, looking back on it, and another reason I sat on it for so long was because it was so difficult to come back and look at what I've done because I was so nervous. I, I treated Tom Billy like an idol because he is an idol to me. Um, and it was, it, it, looking back at my audio, it's, I, it's not horrible, but I do stumble on my words. I do have a, I, I had a tougher time um, having a conversation with him because I was so in awe and nervous. But despite all of those things, this episode is a very interesting one. Tom talks a lot about the matrix, the ubiquity of our own thoughts, and behavior driven by identity, and so much more. While I was editing this, I had to write many more notes down because it was just so packed with knowledge. So without further ado, here's the Tom Billy episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mentors, where our goal is to introduce Gen Zers to amazing mentors that will take you on a quest out of the matrix and impact your life. And if you're looking to take that red pill of truth, there's no better guest than the one that we have on today. Starting with a passion to collect garbage pail kids as a nine-year-old, he grew up in the town Tacoma, Washington, where he took pride in the title, The King of Remedial Jobs. He then watched The Matrix, which dramatically changed his life. Now, he's a serial entrepreneur that has taken his first business to the heights of success, only to have him with an unfulfilled void. He then started living for a mission over profit mentality that allowed him to build a Forbes second fastest growing company in 2014, which grew 57,000% in the first three years. Wanting to me oh, I'm so sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> you do not have to be tense, you're doing great. Thank you, thank you. Wanting to end metabolic disease, his company started to soar to new heights, both in profit and impact. If that wasn't good enough, our guest wanted to have his employees have access to the best minds to help them walk their own paths towards success. Thus, Inside Quest was born, a phenomenal podcast that featured powerful guests such as Tim Ferriss, Peter Diamantes, Tony Robbins, and the amazing Carol Dweck. His interview with Simon Sinek darn near broke the internet and has been shared millions of times. Now, his new company, Impact Theory, is hell-bent on introducing their audience to new ideas and empowering his audience to do something with that knowledge. So I am pleased to introduce to you 
the man that wants to optimize humanity and get you to realize that human potential is nearly limitless, Tom Bilyeu. Wow, well thank you. That is uh that was an amazing introduction. I am uh, very grateful and that was incredibly kind. Well, thank you. I you know, I'm a, I, I'm a big fan of your podcast and so you always do these really good speeches and introductions for everyone else, so I wanted to I wanted to try it for myself. Man, let me tell you, I'm going to start having you write the intros for me. You would save me a massive amount of time. So uh, <laughs> I know how hard those are to write. So that was, uh, that was fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, what I really want to start off with is when you watch The Matrix, after, after you took in all that knowledge, what was The Matrix to you? And how do you get out of that? Well, when I saw The Matrix, it hit me right away and this was one of those movies where I'd seen the trailers and it was coming out in a time in my life where I felt hopeless I was lost I had just graduated film school I did not know what I was gonna do with my life I felt like I'd really failed at film and but I still had this deep love and passion for it and I'm a huge comic book nut and I was at a comic book convention and I walked around the corner and there's Keanu Reeves Joe Pantaleone uh, Carrie Ann Moss, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. It was crazy. And I literally had no idea they were going to be there. So it was like this total, like startled surprise as I came around the corner. And they were like, hey, we've got this new movie coming out, which I'd seen the trailer to and was really excited. And they were like, we're handing out tickets for a, a preview screening. So got one of those, it went literally that night to the Warner Brothers back lot to see the movie and sitting in the theater and there's, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's this moment where um, this Agent Smith says to one of the officers, because the officer goes, you know, don't worry, we, we can handle one little girl. And he goes, no, officer, your men are already dead. And then they cut up to the room and Trinity does that jump and she goes into slow motion and everyone in the audience screamed. And I, including myself, by the way. And so I was like, this is such revolutionary cinema like just the art, they were doing something that had never been done before. Of course, they later call it bullet time, but no one had ever seen it before. So people were just going nuts in the theater. And just from a movie going experience, it was so cool and so exciting that already the movie was sort of bigger than life in my mind. And ultimately, you know, it's a messiah tale, right? So it's about this guy who thinks he's nobody only to realize, you know, that he's somebody. So spoiler alert, by the way. Um, and so just the whole arc of the story is really powerful. And when you put it in context of I'm feeling very lost, I feel like I could do more, I could be more, but I don't know how to do it. And, and that is Neo's story. And so the whole notion of, you know, what's holding you back and he says the matrix, and then it's, what is the matrix? And then the whole movie is really about finding that out now over time. And I'd be lying if I said, I saw the movie and in real time, I was a different person. Unfortunately, I wish. Uh, that it worked like that. But unfortunately, it was it was more subtle and it took more time, but it did plant a seed in me. And I thought, you know, there is a way out of this. And I began to ask the question, like, what is what is my version of the Matrix? Like, how can I learn fast like they learn in the movies? And my answer to that was books. Reading books was a way for me to take the knowledge of somebody that spent 20, 30, 40 years learning something and they write it down into an easily digestible book of information and so i have this obligation to use my time to get as much of that knowledge out as possible because 
in essence, that's jacking into the matrix. And then ultimately asking, you know, what's my version of Kung Fu? And the answer was business. And so I began to just use that metaphor of the movie to really think about how I should be leading my life. And that sent me on this pretty incredible path. So I have not seen the movie. So what is the matrix in the movie? And then what's your own, I guess, what's your own personal matrix? And what's, what's the Kung Fu about? So in the movie, the matrix is we humans are locked in a war with machines that we created and the machines in order to harvest our body energy, they need to put us in these little capsules, but humans will fight to get out unless they live in a permanent dream state. And so the matrix is that dream that the robots create to keep people placated and not wake up and not realize that they're really slaves is how they refer to them in the movie. And so they create the world that we see now. So the premise is what we think of as everyday reality is actually the world that the machine has created for us and inserted us into to keep us from realizing that we're actually enslaved. And the movie's about getting one of the characters, a guy named Neo played by Keanu Reeves, to wake Neo up in the Matrix so that he then realizes that he's actually in this like bowl of jelly stuff and that when he wakes up there and realizes, oh my God, this is the real world. What I was in before is, is the Matrix. It's this programmed computer simulation and actually isn't real even though it felt real to me. And so the movie really kicks off once he wakes up in that you know bowl of jelly and pulls all the tubes from himself and gets scooped up by um, Morpheus, the guy that woke him up in the Matrix. And then, you know, the journey begins of trying to take back humanity from the machines. And so Kung Fu in the movie, so they have to learn to fight in order to get the world back, to get people who are trapped in the Matrix out. Um, they have to learn to fight. And so they learn how to use weapons, they learn how to fly helicopters, and they learn Kung Fu. And so the Kung Fu thing sort of became a joke because in the movie he plugs in and he downloads Kung Fu and in an instant he just looks to the camera and goes, I know Kung Fu. Um, and you know, that's everybody's fantasy, right? That you could learn something that amazing in literally three seconds. So um, that becomes a, a basis in the film where whenever they need to be able to do something, they just have to download it from the Matrix. That sounds so, so amazing. So what I hear is that I guess you'd have to put it in, you're trapped in your own mind almost. And I guess that's true for a lot of people. I think that our mind is so, so how do you, so everywhere we're always thinking that we forget that we're thinking and we forget that we, you know, can change our minds or can redirect our path that we just sit in this sedentary lifestyle and we, we don't do much. And so there's certain people like you and like so many other people that uh, I've got the opportunity to meet or listen to that have just taken life by the horns and have redirected themselves entirely. And you said you did that with, with learning because I mean, from my understanding, you didn't have like a special skill set yet. You weren't talented. You weren't born with it. You just had to work. Yeah, that's 100% correct. And the subtlety of something you just said is really, really profound. And it's the ubiquity of your own thoughts. And that's the thing that the matrix really makes apparent is 
the things that you believe are real become your reality. And what I hope people take away from the matrix is it seems real. That's very true. But in actuality, it isn't. And so um, because I don't I don't think we're actually in a simulation. But think about this. Your brain is encased in total darkness. It never sees light. Now, that seems weird because you're looking around right now and you see light. But the reality is that that's photons that are hitting your eye that are turned into electro, electrical chemical signals that your body interprets and then recreates its best guess at what the environment looks like. But in reality, it is your brain interpreting the, the photons that are falling on the retina of your eye. So now, once you understand that there's actually a dime-sized blank spot in your vision where the optic nerve connects to the eyeball in both eyes and yet you don't perceive that at all. Your vision seems entirely seamless. So now you know for a fact that your mind is making things up, right? It fills that dime-sized hole with its best guess of what should be there. And your brain totally believes it and you're like, yep, my world is completely seamless. Like that freaked me out. That was when I realized whoa, this might not be a computer simulation, but everything I think of as real is a simulation created by my brain to keep me from bumping into too many things. And then I started to ask, okay, well, how much of what my brain is presenting to me is objectively true and how much of it is a construct? So there's an area of your brain called the deep limbic system. The deep limbic system has one job, to paint your experiences, which are by default completely neutral, to paint them with emotion. So when something happens to you, it can either be bad or it can be good or it can be neutral. And it's ultimately the deep limbic system that decides that which from one day to the next can feel very different. And you know how it is when you're in a good mood and you're laughing, like even something bad can still be fun or funny or at least neutral. But when you're already in a negative place, you just failed the test at school, you're in a huge fight with your parents, um, suddenly something that might be neutral or even positive, like you can't see that anymore. So realizing all of that stuff, I realized all of this is make-believe. And if all of this is make-believe and it's being constructed by my brain, it's being painted with emotion by my brain, then how much do I really wanna to listen to my brain? Like how often is my brain giving me the information that's actually gonna help me? And how often do I need to take conscious control of that process and say, I choose to perceive this as good. So let's say that you get up in front of the school and you are supposed to give a speech and you forget and everyone's laughing. You can actually choose to see that as a positive thing and you can choose to go, this is gonna make me stronger and I'm gonna learn what I did and I'm gonna research anxiety and I'm gonna learn to meditate because I know that I need to be able to switch out of the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, that panic mode, into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is known as rest and digest. And you can actually do that. There's a very simple process from going from one to the other. And because you've, you've had to face the real emotional pain of embarrassing yourself in front of your school, you now get the opportunity because you choose to see it as possible to learn from that and improve. And you'll go farther in life if that's how you respond to everything than the person that cries and freaks out and just doesn't want to public speak anymore. And that becomes their response. So, but that's a choice, right? Either one of those is a choice. That, I, I love that mentality so much. Actually, I just read a book called Man's Search for Meaning. By and Frankel. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a very wise choice to read that. 
thank you so much. Actually, well, I, I picked it up from Jocko Wilnick. So, um, but it was, it, in all honesty, it was incredible. And you had the two points to make the the attitude that you had, because again, yeah, everything can be positive and negative. There's always good in something, uh, you know, a cliche term. And then you said, like, you can learn from it. So that's that's finding meaning through suffering. Like, it, those, those concepts, and you're totally right, those are very, very powerful because you, you ultimately do, you have that choice. But the problem that I see is not a lot of people know how to make that choice. Not a lot of people understand that there is meaning in suffering. Or that you do have the ability to go, oh, I failed, but that's great. So I guess what I'm asking is, how do you, how do you change people's identity, and you change people's values, and change their sight, in order to in order to better them? So <clears throat> it really comes down to um, what you just said, which is that behavior is driven by identity. So if you want to make a change to the behaviors that you're manifesting start by changing your identity and you change your identity with the following statement i'm the type of person that and then you fill in the blank so i struggled with getting out of bed for years i would just lay in bed as long as i could snoozing snoozing or even if i didn't have anywhere to be i'd be two three hours in bed a day every day i mean literally crazy now to think back to how i was and then one day I just got so fed up and I was so mortified and embarrassed by who I was that I realized that I needed to change my identity. So I just started telling anyone who would listen that, hey, I'm the type of person that gets out of bed in 10 minutes or less. Like once I realize I'm awake, I'm up 10 minutes or less. Now that kicks in this thing called congruence where you said it now and you feel like a liar if you just lay in bed even though you told people that you get out in 10 minutes or less. Now, some people are going to be comfortable being there and they don't mind absolutely lying about who they are to everyone. But most people, the vast majority of people just can't deal with that kind of incongruence. And so I found that to be incredibly, incredibly powerful, especially when you supplement that with self-congratulatory behavior. So by that, I mean, if you say that you're the type of person that gets out of bed in 10 minutes or less, then when you actually get out of bed in 10 minutes or less, you need to congratulate yourself. You need to feel good about that. And it can be a totally private moment. You don't have to say anything to anybody else, but you need to be proud. Like, hey, I did it. I said I would do it and I did it. And then the converse is you need to punish yourself if you don't. So if you got out at minute 11 or God forbid after an hour or whatever, then you need to say, look, I said I was going to do this and I didn't do it. And I just lost credibility with myself. And look, you lose credibility with yourself in moments like that, whether you admit it or not. So you might as well at least admit it to let it be that bit of pain that we were talking about earlier where there really is meaning that you can pull from that and saying, I don't want to feel like this again tomorrow. And if the way to avoid feeling like a liar and a fraud is to simply get out of bed, even though I don't want to, then get out of bed. And so you're creating all of this stuff internally. And that, that can be very, very powerful. And it comes from mastering that one little technique of saying to yourself and to other people, I'm the type of person that. That in itself is really powerful because I like even I can tell that that would work. And I think that if you keep telling yourself like, um, like, oh, you know, I get I'm, I'm lazy, I'm lazy, you'll stay lazy. Or, but yeah, if you lie, that's that I have no, I've never thought about that before. I really like that concept. Is there I, I love, love learning about the brain. And I've been taking uh, actually there's like the two books I want to read now um, incognito and um oh what's the other one the brain that changes itself i got those two recommendations 
Those are great books. So David Eagleman, um, who wrote Incognito, actually both of those guys have been on. The other one, if I'm not mistaken, is Norman Doidge. Um, both of whom have been on the show. Incredible human beings, first of all, and I just love when great people do great works. Um, and yeah, both of those are going to serve you very, very well. Thank you so much. I got a, I got a big Christmas list. <laughs> I won't lie. Man, I like your Christmas list already. If, if that's what your Christmas list consists of, man, you're going to crush. I'm not kidding. It's all, it's all books. It's right all books. So. But right oh, so. <laughs> thank you. Oh, wait, speaking of your podcast, you know, you've just started up, not just started, but you started up Impact Theory. And I feel like you have bigger plans for this studio. Yeah, that, that is for sure. So our goal is to build a studio that rivals Disney, um, doing it in a way, obviously, that makes sense for the times that we're living in. And what makes Disney special that nobody else seems to have um, realized, and I mean, Disney was founded back in the 1930s, had been sitting in plain sight, and that is to make only one kind of content. So he only made films that, or TV shows or cartoons or whatever, that captured the innocence of childhood where right wins over evil. Um, it's this whole Americana, like a simpler time. And he wanted to create the most magical place on earth and that's what he did. And if you look at every film studio that's come since, so if I say I'm gonna go see a Warner Brothers movie or I'm gonna go see a Paramount movie or a Sony movie, you don't know anything about that movie. But if I say I'm gonna go see a Disney movie, you already know something about it. And so what we want to do is have the discipline to only tell one kind of story. And if Disney was making the most magical place on earth, we want to make the most empowering place on earth. So every piece of content we put out, whether it's social content, whether it's this interview, whether it's a comic book, a movie, a TV show, no matter what it is, it'll be about empowerment. I want to see, I want to see an impact theory castle. Nice. That's all I got thinking right I now. I like that. I like that. I think, I think because you guys can totally make that happen. I've already been seeing that trend so many times, especially with, oh my goodness, some of the guests you have on are crazy. And that's something I really want to get across this audience. Your podcasts, both Inside Quest and Impact Theory, are so helpful and they're so powerful. Like not just what they say, but what you say too. Both of those, those conversations, what people do, it's incredible because some people endure horrible things and some people... And they and they crawl out of that and they succeed and, and getting those stories is is powerful and then some people are just driven towards success so they have a they have a talent and they have to hustle and strive for it like how do you how do you go about meeting these people so often no well not how do you go about how do you go about and how does that affect you on a daily life well the most important thing is that we've got an insanely talented team that reaches out to these people and um, you know, works over sometimes a very long period of time to get them on the show. And what we've got going for us is a backlog of interviews where, you know, we've shown that we're going to give you a high quality interview. So people know that we're going to honor them with research, that we want to give them a chance to shine, that they've inspired me in some way. And that's why we're trying to bring them on the show. Um, but without the, the team here to really do that process, we'd, we'd never get anybody. But then also when you do a great interview and the person has a great experience off camera as well, you've got that word of mouth. And then, you know, being in LA doesn't hurt. So this is oddly enough, a very tight knit community. So 
Um, you know, a lot of times if somebody comes on my show, for instance, I'm going to recommend other players in the space, you know, whether it's Gerard Adams or Lewis Howes or um, Jordan over at the Art of Charm. It's like there's, there's just a lot of really great people and each of us have, have been really good about trying to help everybody out. So that's been really, really neat to see as well. Just everybody trying to help everybody. So I've been very fortunate with the guests. Yeah, and those experiences sound amazing. Like you said, like on and off the camera, that and your team. Actually, how big is your team of people? Uh, we have 12 people. Oh, that's awesome. I think, because again, I won't lie, I've been reading a little bit of Leaders Eat Last, and the fact that you have a small group is, well, you you know, it's really good for interaction. And I was going to ask, like, hey, how do, you, how do you manage all these people and how do you make sure that you, like, you you lead them correctly and you give them everything that they need and they give you everything that you need. Yeah, that, that is a gigantic question and something that is one of the most difficult parts about um, being an entrepreneur. And I'll say that figuring out the puzzle of the company, like that is relatively straightforward, honestly. Like if you're just willing to try enough stuff and be open-minded and learn, like chances are you're going to figure it out. The people on the other hand, Whoa, that is a very complex puzzle that takes a lot of time and energy and compassion and love and being willing to say the hard things and ew, whew, that that part is uh, is not easy. I know and I feel like I feel like you know so much about the brain. Does that ever come into play or come into help when you're trying to like uh, inspire them or help them out or have to give them advice and things that they don't want to say? every single day every single day learning about the brain is like one of the most fundamental things you can do if you want to be good at just about anything whether it's being good at people business um, if you don't understand the organ that creates the world that you're experiencing and the organ that is creating the world that the person you're talking to is experiencing then you're always going to be at a handicap because so much of the interaction is going to be mysterious and look i still have just an infinite amount of stuff to learn about the brain. And I really do feel like a neophyte, especially if you ever spend time with David Eagleman, whose book Incognito you've got on your list. Um, man, you really realize, yeah, I don't know anything. This guy, this guy knows something. And the irony is the first thing he'll tell you, he doesn't know anything. And he's like, the more you learn about this stuff, the more you realize how big and complicated it really is. Uh, but nonetheless, every piece of information that you get about the brain will empower you. And I think that's such a cool thing because I've been learning a little bit like even on psycho like on psychology or logotherapy and even that is extremely helpful especially when you're looking at people and going why are you doing the things you do how do you how do you improve that what's your mentality I can see it I, I want to help you make it better I want to help you change it go this direction that direction because I think I think when you help people like that ch like change their mind change their mentality you're helping them so much more than just going hey do this do that no question and i've got to ask how old are you i am 16 going on 17 in january that that is bonkers the fact that you know about logo therapy that you're planning to read incognito you've read man's search for meaning i mean this is crazy like if i was as far ahead as you at 16 going on 17 i shudder to think where i would be now well actually okay if you want to know someone really cool uh, this kid, Jeremy Miller, he's also 19. He's 19, also in Indiana. And man, he's killing the game. He has he has his own company. He's gaining so much traction. A lot of people know who he is right now. Um, 
he, he's, he's really killing the game and he knows so much more than I do. He's one of my more local mentors that I learned from. That's amazing, man. I'm so stoked. The internet just has changed the game. So cool. I love that. Thank you. It's like, it's, a, oh, it's so immense and that and like, because I'm part of the innovation class, that majorly helps because instead of having like, how do I put it? Instead of having to go on your own in a sense, you have people to learn from and that, and you have support, which is the coolest thing ever. Because usually when you face the world, people are like, you did something good. That's horrible. And you suck. I don't like you. But in the innovation class or the, when I have kids around me that want to think like I think, want to do what I do, they go, Ava, oh my gosh, you got to talk to Tom Billy. That's amazing. That's amazing. Look, like you're doing that. That's so cool. Look what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's awesome. And so it's so much encouragement and support to help you keep going. That oh, and I love that. thank you. Thank you. I take so much advantage from it. It's, it's, it's almost uncanny. That's amazing. And literally it sounds like you'll, you either already know this or certainly will believe it that that is going to serve you so well as you get older. Um, being open to new ideas, surrounding yourself with people that are encouraging. It's just, it's crazy. Like that, that is the name of the game. And it took me far too long to figure that out. Yeah. But you know, I have a special circumstance, right? I I've been, I got lucky. So how do, how do other people go about finding that community or finding that, that niche or that thing to be able to launch them forward? Man, people can say what they want about social media. Social media changed the game in a way that most people still don't even realize. I have zero beef with social media. Now, it's a tool like any other. You can use it for something stupid or you can use it to really empower yourself. But when I think about how much time I spend on social, creating content, trying to help people to give away every single secret that I have, and the thousands of people that have already achieved legitimate replicatable success that are doing the same thing, it's like you need to look no further than Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's like every person you could ever want to meet is there. Like it's nuts. And then if you throw in books just for some old fashioned goodness, like then, then really you've captured essentially like 98% of all the thinkers that have lived in you know, the last 400 years. It's bonkers. That's, that's awesome. Cause I mean, I know we like, we like talking to people, we like social media, but I think going back to books is, is so much fun, especially when you learn from people who aren't alive anymore. Like Victor Frankel, I have a friend who is, who is learning from Tesla and he, he's in love. He's in love with that. I'm, I'm starting to understand the powers of social media and it's honestly, it's been getting really crazy and I enjoy it so much. That's awesome. Thank you. Also, when we are talking about the brain, I know it's a really vague question, but how does your brain function? Um, so depending on how you mean that, the way that I think of myself is really as a collection of habits, routines, and beliefs. And so I don't feel like I have much of a special advantage. I don't think that I'm um, innately very smart. So, and I'll define smart as the ability to process raw data quickly. So if you know much about working memory, I, I don't, I have very bad working memory. So the ability to hold like a bunch of ideas in your head at one time, um, I'm, I don't excel at that. Um, I took my SATs twice and got a 990. Um, so, and that was my combined best scores. So I mean, it's like, I've just never shined academically. Um, so that's actually, that's not true. 
I've done well in academics because I work so hard, but I've never been natural at academics. So like for my sister, academics came very easily. And so she didn't have to put in nearly as much time as I did. Um, but I, I was able to throw my discipline at it. And so that, that's been really crazy. But I'm very good at building up the habits, the rituals, and the beliefs that I need to go on and be successful. So um, that's been, been really great. But every now and then the image of my brain is like all these weird bolted on parts. Uh, or the one that I often use. Do you know what a pachinko machine is? No idea. All right. It's this, I think they were made in Japan, but it's these machines that like imagine a vertical um, board that has all these um, posts sticking out of it and then it's covered in glass and you drop a coin in the top and it bounces off the different sticks until it goes into one of like 20 things at the bottom and that you get different points for... Um, which one of the things that it ends up in. And I always have thought of my mind as like a pachinko machine that takes a negative thought and bounces it around until finally it has no choice but to be a positive thought by the time it gets out. And all the little posts are my habits, routines, and beliefs that any thought or you know idea has to bump around until I can find the way to see it in an empowering way. I actually really love that image. That sounds awesome. Because you have to, because it has to go that way. You have to direct it because... I mean, there isn't any other way, is there? Definitely not. So, when because you, you have you have such a powerful mindset, mindset mindset is key. But I've also been learning that right now, adaptability and being able to be you know innovative, being able to be creative is so powerful right now, and not a lot of people know how to do that. Um, it's been kind of drained out of us, you know, throughout the school years. How how did you how did you end up with the mind that you did? And then how do you teach that to others? Like teach creativity, teach, teach uh, discipline, teach innovation. Well, there's two questions in there. So one, how did I end up with a mind that I did? For me, that was all really working backwards from my goal. So I knew what I wanted to achieve and I identified what the skills were that stood between who I am today and who I need to become in order to actually execute against those dreams. So that's really how I've built the mind that I have and through a lot of pain and suffering and failing and really being willing to look at where I was falling down. And, and the most important component of all of that is that it matters what you build your self-esteem around. So most people build their self-esteem around being right or being smart, or being good, talented, um, and, and I did the same and that was really a terrible way to go about life and it puts you in a very weak position because inevitably you're going to meet people that are smarter than you, that are better than you and that's just going to make you feel badly about yourself. It's going to make you want to get away from those people rather than making you want to be challenged by them to learn from them, to have them push you so you can grow. And that was ultimately finding that and realizing that I needed to switch my self-esteem to being built around being the learner and identifying the right answer faster than anyone else, always being willing to admit that I was wrong so that I could change and evolve. Those are really the, the key parts. Um, the second thing in that, how do you teach creativity? Um, honestly, like that's probably a better question for your dad. Like if I really think about which one of us has spent more time trying to figure out how to get people to think more creatively, uh, he's definitely going to take the cake on that one. But at the end of the day, the way that I would approach it is really try to expose people to a lot of things, get them to engage in those things with a, a growth mindset, with a belief that their talent and intelligence are not 
fixed traits, but rather malleable traits. So whatever it is that they find piques their curiosity, gets them excited, gives them more energy than it takes, that they should go down the path of really gaining mastery. And that to me is the path to passion, which is not something you discover hiding within yourself. It's, it's a process. It's something that you create. But if you can get people excited about what they're doing, growing, gaining mastery, and then just not allowing them to be dogmatic, to always have an open mind and always be seeking truth and always be willing to seek truth, right? So what happens is when you get good at something, you start to get dogmatic because it's always worked for you and now you think that's the only way that it can be done and your ideas stop being fresh. Whereas if you can reinvent by looking at things in a new angle, by researching something in a tangential field that isn't that field itself, like I learn a lot about life, not by reading more about business or about um, you know, mindset stuff, but by researching, say, the microbiome and seeing what discoveries are being made there or chasing technology, watching what's going on in prosthetics, which I'm just absolutely fascinated by the interfaces that they're coming up with the, for the brain. I mean, it's just really, really interesting reading about the brain because I want to know about mindset, which isn't what most people do. So like all of that kind of stuff of getting outside of your own head, not becoming dogmatic, making sure you're finding something that actually excites you so that you're willing to get rid of your ego because just the pure excitement of it all has nothing to do with being right or wrong. It just has to do with this is really cool and I want to know what the truth is so that I can use this thing in my life to you know, accomplish my goals. The thing that you said when passion was something you work at, that's cool to me. I have never heard that perspective before. I've always heard it like, oh, I'm passionate about it. I love it so much. Therefore, I'm going to go get it. I feel like when you have to like, you find something you're excited about and then you work towards it, I think then it becomes a passion. I think that's so cool. And actually, when you're talking about creativity, do you know the game Disrupt Us? No. All right, I don't know how open your colleagues are to playing games, but Disruptus is a really fun game. It's it's literally just um, a dice and a lot of cards with random objects or like random places, maybe like a bridge, a toothbrush, a high heel, uh, um, envelope. And so you'll have like you'll have terms like create, transform, innovate, and when you roll the dice, you have to do one of those things. So it's like you know transform this high heel, make it into something different. So like you could nail the, you can, uh, what can you do? You can nail the high heel to the door, to a door and use it as a door knocker, something like that. So it really gets your mind flowing or like you can take two objects and make something new out of them, like an envelope and a band and like in a bandaid. Cause some people will have like, Oh, you, you stick the envelope on the bandaid. Now it's a sticker. Or you can come up with something completely different from that. But either way, that's how I've been learning creativity. Cause I won't even play with other people. I'll play it with myself. <laughs> I'll sit down and I'll just go, how do I connect these two things in the most wild way possible? Um, and that really, that really helps me. But I don't know if that's something that you can do, like that you do a little bit with your, with your mind or with surroundings. I have never done that, but that is very interesting. Thank you. And then, and then what you were saying about, you know, cha- about changing, that, that sounds like so much self-awareness. I don't, Okay, this sounds horrible, but I don't know if people can be that self-aware. Not not be that self-aware, but are willing to be that self-aware. Yeah, people aren't willing to be that self-aware. I can't help them. But most people just think that self-awareness is something that you have or don't have. Uh, but there's a really simple mechanistic way to become more self-aware. 
And it goes like this. We all have feelings. That, that is patently obvious. People know that. Um, nobody's a stranger to feelings. What they need to learn to do is teach themselves, okay, hey, I'm having a feeling. Now, usually people don't recognize a feeling until they're really in the grips of it. That's fine. It's a decent place to start. So at some point in that process of anger or elation or fear or whatever, you become aware of the fact that, whoa, I'm really angry right now. Okay. Now that you're angry and that you recognize it, ask yourself, why am I angry? And first of all, people are going to get to some really surface idea. But if you can keep asking yourself questions and there's this, um, the five whys. So I'm really angry because my, you know, girlfriend did something to upset me. Why? Oh, she, because she forgot to um, bring my dinner to me, whatever. Why? <laughs> because she was working on her school assignment. Okay, well then, what we're really talking about now is you think that your food is a higher priority than her homework. Is that really reasonable, right? And so you can de-escalate yourself when you get down to like the, the real thing. You're getting down to the, the baseline thing that's upsetting you. And so... The key is the more you practice that, the faster you're able to recognize that you're having a big emotion, the faster you're able to get to the truth of what's causing that emotion, which by the way, oftentimes is petty, it's insecure, it's an ugly thing, it's not something that you want to be honest with. But when you start getting to those places, then you can, rather than judging yourself for it, just accept, whoa, like, okay, I'm, I'm sensitive about this, or that's triggering my insecurity about that and at least you're aware of it, right? Once you have that self-awareness, you can decide what to do. But most people just take their emotions as being right. Because I feel this, it's real, and therefore I should act on it, which absolutely is false. To me, every emotion that I have, I say, does this emotion serve me or not? Meaning, does it move me towards my goals? So one, my goals are always stated. I always know exactly what I'm working towards, whether it's in a personal relationship, whether it's in the business, and so when something like that comes up, I can ask myself that question. Does this emotion serve me? Is it actually moving me towards my goal or not? And if it's moving me towards my goal, if I need that intensity or whatever, great, then I will continue to feel it. And as long as it's helping me move in the right direction, then I will utilize it. But the moment I realize, yeah, this isn't helping. I'm angry. I'm displaying that to my teammate and I'm making my teammate feel bad or whatever. That's not going to serve me in the long run. So I need to get to a calm place where I can explain what's really going on. So that like my inherent distrust of my emotions has helped me greatly. That is so cool. I love, I'm sorry. I like, I, I, I get so excited about these things. I love the fact that you can take something so complex and make it into practical ideas and have like a step-by-step -step in order to achieve that. I feel like that's what people and that's what people really need because it is hard to figure out some of these things on your own. It is hard to, to face yourself with self-awareness and go, wow, I suck. And you, have to, and you have to put yourself in that place and then you find a way to bring yourself out of that. Yeah. And, and the big thing is like when you realize that you suck, like that's got to be tied to this belief that you know you can get better. Because admitting you suck and thinking that's a permanent state, people will do anything to avoid that. And that's how you see people doing really weird stuff. Because it's like, like when people argue for an idea just because it's theirs. But if you know, oh yeah, I'm wrong about that. But now, I, now that I know that, I can learn and get better. And so now I'm just stoked that I realize I'm wrong about something. But the excitement is based on knowing that you can get good and that getting good at that thing has a real world outcome. 
And that's where this stuff gets interesting is getting control of your mind, gaining self-awareness, reading books, learning about the brain. All of this stuff actually empowers you to be able to do more in your life. And the way that I explain it to people is imagine for a second, you close your eyes, you think of the world as you want it to be, your life, the world at large, whatever, but you think about how you really want it to be. Power is the ability to then open your eyes and make that come true. I, I want to do that so much. I want to do that so much. The, cause I haven't, I haven't created things yet. Like I'm making this podcast and I love it so much, but that creating a tangible thing or seeing this idea come to life is probably the most, well, I don't know yet, but I feel like it could be the most addictive thing out there. Yeah. I, look, you're a learner. I can feel that and everything that you do, you get excited and excitability is one of like the, the greatest things that anyone can build into their personality. So the fact that you have that, I think that you will really enjoy doing the podcast. And also it's going to make guests want to come on your show because it's fun to get excited with somebody else. So yeah, I, something tells me that you're going to have a great time doing this. Thank you. I mean, I honestly, I do. I, I do this podcast. I do this podcast just to spread knowledge, right? It's awesome. But also on the side, I get to talk to some really fantastic people such as yourself. Look, that's the fun. I feel exactly the same. I'm like, wow, like so-and-so's agreed to be on the show. Like that's amazing. And to get there, you know, and be able to do the research on them, really learn about them and, and do so with purpose and then get on the call or on the set with them and you know really get a chance to ask all those questions that like you want to ask it's pretty amazing it's it's a phenomenal feeling and with that guys thank you thank you so much for one listening tom thank you so much for being on my podcast it means the world to me uh, i hope you really do check out his podcast both of them inside quest and impact theory they're both amazing i've learned so much from them as the years have gone by, I've watched them ever since I was little. And because of that, I've been building this, I've been building this mentality that I love. And, I've, and I'm going to bet when you guys start on this journey, you all are going to love it too. So Tom, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. This was awesome.